We'll take our text this morning from the book of Revelation. We will read Revelation chapter 20, and we will look at the first ten verses. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast nor his image neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in this first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him, a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. This morning, with the Lord's help, I'd like us to consider the doctrine of the millennial reign. This is a literal reign of Christ on earth for a thousand years. We see it mentioned here. Six times in ten verses, this is going to be an actual event. Obviously, this is referring to a time in the future. None of us would say we're enjoying heaven on earth now, but there's coming a day for the saint of God when we will be. We know that many Old Testament prophecies spoke of the time when Christ would reign on this earth. We won't take the time to look up those verses, but... You can find references in Isaiah and Micah and Zechariah, Ezekiel, Amos, all of those old prophets testified of the time when Christ would come and set up his earthly kingdom. Jesus spoke about a time in the Olivet Discourse when he said that the meek would inherit the earth. Obviously, that time is not now, but it's a time that's coming. Jesus even taught his disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Has it happened yet? No, but it will be. One day it will happen, just as the Lord said it would happen. When will this time occur? Well, we know it's sometime in the future, and God's word gives an order of events that must take place before Christ can come and set up his kingdom. As you study the end times prophecy, you realize that the very next prophetic event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. 
And we know according to scriptures and according to all of the signs, the indicators are there that this could be at any moment. We believe it is imminent. We believe it could happen even today. But we know when that happens, it says that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. It says that all the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air to forever be with the Lord. So we know that's the first event, the snatching away of the bride of Christ or the church. Those saints that have died through the ages in the faith, their bodies will be reunited with their spirits, and then we will join them in the air. Following that, immediately we read about the Great Tribulation. That is a seven-year period where it will literally be a hell on earth. The Spirit of the Lord will be taken out. The restrainer will be removed. The church will be removed. Satan and the Antichrist will have unbridled power during that time. And during that same seven-year period, Christ will pour out his wrath and fury on an unbelieving and an ungodly world. The Bible tells us there isn't a time before or after it'll be so bad it's hard to even imagine, but that will take place toward the end of the tribulation. We read about a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. And at that point, Christ will return with his raptured saints and with his bride. There will be a battle that will be fought. At that time, uh, the devil and all the unsaved and the Antichrist will gather together to fight against God and his people, and a battle will ensue. The Word of God describes that battle as so horrendous that the carnage will actually cover an area of 200 square miles. It says that the blood will rise up to the bridle of the horse, the horse's bridles. It will be so deep. But we know not one single saint of God or child will be harmed during that time. That's when the devil is defeated and uh, the enemies are put at bay. We know that that will take place. And then we read about Jesus setting up his earthly kingdom. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4 and 5 speaks about the time when Christ's feet will literally touch down on the Mount of Olives. That will be the revelation of Christ or his second appearing with his saints. Interesting to note that the very place where Christ touches down is the very same place where he ascended up into heaven thousands of years before. And he told his disciples at the time, the angel said, why stand you here gazing? The Lord will return in the same manner that you uh, see him go. And so we see a fulfillment of that. Christ's feet will touch the Mount of Olives. There'll be a great earthquake. It says that mountain will be split in two and Christ will set up his earthly kingdom. It will be a literal 1,000 year reign. You know, throughout church history, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this doctrine. There, for many years, seem to be three dominant schools of thought regarding the millennium. You have the amillennial view. Basically, they say that there is no physical reign of Christ on earth, that somehow all of these prophecies and all of the words we read about in Revelation are somehow symbolic and they're allegorical and they don't really mean a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. They'll try to explain things away, but they also deny the rapture of the church or the tribulation. So we obviously reject that. That is a 
false doctrine. They also will tell you that you're already in the millennial reign. You are enjoying heaven on earth right now. We've been shortchanged if that's the case. They'll claim Satan has been bound. He's already bound. Well, if he's been bound, he has an awfully long chain because he's going around right now as a roaring lion. But one day he will be bound. So obviously we know that is not the true belief. There's the post-millennials who believe that Jesus will come after a thousand years of peace have been established by the church. So somehow they believe that the church, the preaching of the gospel, will Christianize the whole world and will have this thousand years of utopia, and then the Lord will finally return and set up his kingdom. Well, there's problems with that as well. First of all, it's not scriptural. That puts a pressure and a responsibility on the church that Jesus never placed on the church. One man said the preaching of the gospel isn't to save civilization from wreckage. The preaching of the gospel is to save man from the wreckage of civilization. Preaching of the gospel isn't to usher in the kingdom of heaven. The preaching of the gospel is to prepare men's hearts and souls so that they can be saved and enter in to the kingdom of heaven. But they will tell you that things are going to get better and better. This view was popularized around the 17th century, and for a long time it gained some traction, but many began to abandon that view after World War I and after World War II and the Holocaust and the Depression and all of the things that have taken place since then. We realize the world's not getting better. The Bible says in, perilous, in the last days, perilous times will come. So we know things aren't going to get better and better until Jesus returns. But then we have the premillennial view, and that's the view that we hold to. That's the view that any Bible-believing Christian accepts, and that is the belief in a literal, bodily, glorious return of Christ to this earth. Christ must return to this earth and establish his kingdom before we have peace on this earth. The Prince of Peace must return before we can have peace. We know the Word of God tells us Jesus will come in power and great glory and he'll establish his throne in Jerusalem and he will rule and reign over all the nations from Jerusalem. That will be the center of the whole world at the time. Christ will reign from that city, Jerusalem, and he'll set up his thousand-year kingdom. What else takes place during this time? Well, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3 tells us Satan will be bound. It's the very first thing that happens as Christ comes to set up his kingdom. It says that the angel will come down from heaven having a key in his hand, and it will be that key to the bottomless pit. As you read the previous chapters, you realize that Satan at one time controlled that bottomless pit. He was the one that had that key. Well, we see things completely reversed now. That key's been taken away, and this angel will come with that key in his hand. It says he'll lay hold on Satan, that old serpent. I like to picture him grabbing him by the scruff of the neck, just dragging him over to that bottomless pit. It says he'll be cast into that bottomless pit. That seven-year reign of unbridled terror that he enjoyed during the tribulation will be coming to a very abrupt end. It says that he'll be placed in there, he'll be thrown in there, he'll be bound, a seal will be placed upon him, and he won't be able to deceive the nations anymore for a thousand years. 
That is the longest prison sentence handed down in history. The devil will have to do a thousand years of time. We know this isn't his the end for him, but this is a time uh, being like in a holding cell. Well, he will be contained. He will be out of commission and out of action. The Word of God tells us what Satan will look like during this time. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? It says that we will narrowly look on him. That means you'll have to squint to see him. We'll say, This is the one? This is the one that deceived the nations. This is the one that led a rebellion against God and his people. This, this is the one. It says we'll look narrowly upon him. He'll be brought so low, he'll be thrown into a pit without a bottom in it. The Lord will put Satan in his place and he'll be bound and sealed for a thousand years. Somebody said that the millennial reign will begin with an incarceration and an administration. Well, that is true. After Satan is bound, we see that a new administration will take place. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is a prophecy concerning Christ. Thousands and thousands of years before this event will actually take place, but it says here, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And it says he will establish it with judgment and with justice. Tells us as well, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, that the raptured saints... Those that have come back with Christ will rule and reign with Jesus. They'll make up his administration. Imagine a world where every politician, every judge, every official was upright and honest and godly and fair. Wasn't a politician that could be bought or bribed. They say now, there's one way you can tell when a politician is lying. So you just watch him. And the moment his lips begin to move, that's when he's lying. Well, that's probably true for many politicians, but imagine a time when every politician, every leader is godly, appointed by Christ himself. You know, it'll be a world without class warfare and identity politics, racial division, crime, poverty, lawlessness in the streets. That will all be ended. I read just yesterday, I found a news feed that caught my eye. It says that the city of San Francisco is paying criminals not to shoot people. I'm not making that up. Just when you think it can't get any more insane, it gets more insane. But imagine a time when there's complete peace throughout the whole world, the entire universe. There'll be, full, there'll be fair and equitable treatment for every single citizen. 
Isaiah 11, 9 says, The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Can you even imagine what a world like that will be like? The knowledge of the Lord will cover the whole earth. Imagine what that will do to our educational system. Creation will replace evolution. Sex education will be replaced with teachings on purity and virtue and holiness and chastity. All the abominable and perversions that are being taught and forced on our kids in the name of higher education, all those things will be eradicated and then they'll be replaced by the truth of God's Word. Hard to imagine a time like that, and yet we know God says that time is coming for the saints of God. It says that the whole earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. We know wars and fighting among the nations shall cease. Isaiah 2, 4 says, They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against Nathan, nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We see an entirely different picture now when you turn on the news, but just imagine a time when there won't be any wars. Every nation will be at peace with one another. Their weapons will be destroyed. It says the desert places and vegetation and plant life will be changed. The Bible tells us that the desert will bloom like a rose. It tells us there will be streams in the desert. The Lord will provide water where there's been no water. Briars and thorns will be replaced by fruit trees and vegetation. That will eliminate starvation and world hunger. Every crop will be successful. The curse that was placed on the ground in Genesis 3 will be lifted and the crops will prosper and they'll produce good fruit. Imagine not having to go to the grocery store to pay $3 for an organic apple. We won't have to. Everything will be organic. There's not going to be any pesticides or herbicides. Nothing, no blight, no disease to damage the crops. Everything will be prospering because that curse will be removed from the earth. The Bible tells us the animal kingdom will be changed. Isaiah 11. Brother John read a part of that. It says the lion and the lamb and the leopard, the goat and the calf, they shall all lie down together in the field. They'll dwell together and feed next to each other. They're all going to be vegetarians. They're not going to be preying on each other. They're going to be eating grass. All those wild animals will be like domesticated pets. It says a little child shall lead them. The toddler and the infant will play on the den of snakes and they'll reach their hand in and not be harmed. The nature of those animals will change. And I thought about my dad many years ago before us kids were even born. I think I've told the story on him, but I'm going to tell it again. But he told my mom one time that he was going to bring her home something very rare and exotic. So she was looking forward to that. So he did. He brought her home something rare and exotic. It was also alive. And as he came into the kitchen and he told her to turn around, she turned around and she was quite surprised. He was standing there with two baby alligators in his arms. And he tried to tell her, it's okay, they only grow about a foot a year. And they'll adapt to their environment. Well, she let him know, this is one environment they're not going to be adapting to. Maybe during the millennial reign, my dad will be able to have his pet alligators. I don't know the nature of the wild beasts will be changed. 
Those born, born during this time will have a long life and optimum health. Isaiah 65, 20 says, For the child shall die in a hundred years old. That verse is saying that if a person dies at the age of 100 years of age, it'll be considered a premature death. It'll be considered children. For our older saints that are working on 100, that probably sounds pretty good. But they'll be considered young. We know that death will be a very rare occurrence rather than an overwhelming everyday occurrence. Infant mortality rate will completely disappear. What will happen to those who suffer from disabilities? Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6 says, The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The tongue of the dumb shall sing, and the lame man shall leap as a deer. What a glorious time that will be. Imagine a world in which every mother loved her child and wanted her child. There won't be any Planned Parenthood clinics in the whole world during that time. There won't be any unwanted pregnancies. Every mother will love and want their child. Imagine a world where every father accepts his responsibility and his role as the leader in the home and uh, the spiritual leader, and they love their wives and their children, and they provide for their children. Imagine a time like that. Imagine a day when you can walk into any major city at any time of the day or night in complete safety. We can do more than imagine this. This is going to be a reality for every child of God. We know this time is coming. But you know what's amazing is the millennium also reemphasizes man's depravity and the need for Christ's salvation. We see there's one final rebellion that occurs at the end of this thousand-year reign. Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through 9 says that Satan will be loosed. It's not a jailbreak. He's not getting out on his own, but Jesus will release him. And it says at that time he'll go out to deceive the nations. He'll gather an army from the four quarters of the earth. He'll encircle the holy city, Jerusalem, but it won't be much of a battle. We know the Bible says that at that time fire will come down from God out of heaven and it will devour them. You might wonder, after a thousand years of righteousness and peace and godliness, how will the devil even get an army together? Well, you know, not everyone who lives on the earth during the millennial reign will be saved. There will be those that have somehow survived through the tribulation, and they will be alive at the beginning of that millennial reign of Christ, and they will have children, and there will be many generations that will be born during that time of Christ's reign. And you know, there'll be many that will be saved. But we know righteousness is not inherited. Those that are born during that time, you know, the curse of sin will be removed, but the nature of sin will still remain in every unregenerated heart. So we know that everyone will have to make their own choice. Of course, we know the Raptured saints will have glorified bodies. They'll be living without sin. They can't sin at that point, but there'll be many that will have to make that choice for themselves. This also lets us know that the problem also isn't our environment. Some people will say they have this false idea that if you can just change the environment, you can change the nature of a person, improve the environment, and improve the behavior. Well, that's not true. Listen, there will never be a greater time 
to serve the Lord than during the millennial reign. Satan will be bound. Christ will reign in his righteousness. There will be no excuses for not serving the Lord. But that old carnal nature of sin will still be in the hearts of some men. You can't change the environment. You have to, the problem isn't external, it's internal. It's the heart of man. Only Jesus Christ can save the human heart. We know that man's nature can be rebellious even in the midst of a perfect environment. But we want to be ready for this day when the Lord comes to set up his earthly kingdom. You know, before that can ever happen, you have to be a part of his heavenly kingdom. The Bible tells us we must be born again. The Word of God says, blessed are those that have part in that first resurrection that is talking about the rapture of the church. We want to be ready for that day, and we can be. The Lord, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, God can drop that peace in your heart. You know, a thousand years, it seems like almost like an eternity, but that will be just the beginning for the child of God. But eternity is also a long, long time for those that are lost. We don't want to be among those. We want to be part of that bride of Christ that will rule and reign with Jesus. You can have that hope of heaven in your heart this morning. There's still time. We're running out of time, saints. We really are. Look around. We don't have much longer. But God, if he's extending mercy one more time, if he's speaking to your heart today, come, surrender your life to the Lord. Let him drop that piece of heaven in your heart today. The Lord will do that for you. Let's sing 762. These altars are open.